Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. I am reading from Acts 19, verses 1 through 7, which is found on page 903 of the Pew Bibles in front of you. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the interior regions and came to Ephesus, where he found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? They replied, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then he said, Into what then were you baptized? They answered, Into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Altogether, There were about 12 of them. Well, to quote Yogi Berra, before I speak, there's something I'd like to say. (laughs) Allie hinted that I wanted the honor of introducing two of our guests today, Phyllis Campbell and her grandson, Clay. I want to tell you a wonderful Christmas story. Phyllis has been worshiping with us for a long time from Kentucky. And uh, Daniel, Bob DeFore was her pastor at one time. And uh, she has been a part of this congregation. She feels like this is her church. And so about two months ago, Clay called me and said, I want to give my grandmother for Christmas a trip to Atlanta to meet her church. So tell me a Sunday that the orchestra is going to be there and all of you so that she can meet the church that she worships with each week. And so we do welcome you and we are delighted that, uh, Clay, what a cool idea. What a great Christmas present and we are so glad uh, you got to meet your church today. This is a neat story. Yeah, that's fun. Well, as you know, the Christmas stories only show up in Matthew and Luke's Gospels, right? So Mark and John are quiet all of December. Mark and John have no heavenly hosts, no mangers, no magi. So Mark and John get to take all of December off. Uh, I mentioned that they don't have magi at all, but for the sake of biblical literacy, I also want to mention that the little drummer boy is in none of the Gospels, in case that comes up. So Luke and Matthew start with the infancy narratives. John starts way back yonder. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Mark starts with Jesus as a grown-up. We start with the baptism in Mark's Gospel. But what's interesting is all four of the Gospels in their early pages mention John the Baptist. 
And all agree that John the Baptist came preaching and quoting Isaiah, prepare a way in the wilderness, make straight his paths. Well, since uh, Mark got to take off the whole month of December, uh, the editors of the lectionary decided that Mark needed to have a voice again pretty early in uh, January. And so, as you've already heard, Christians across the globe are celebrating baptism of the Lord Sunday. It shifts to Mark's telling of Jesus' baptism at the hands of his cousin, John. Now, we Baptists like to claim John the Baptist as ours, like he was our granddaddy or something. Of course, that's wrong, just because he's got Baptist in his name. But not only that... John the Baptist didn't invent baptism. Baptism was a Jewish rite that had been modified and adapted over several centuries. A ritual of symbolic cleansing, preparation. And in the Jewish tradition of John, people waded into the water, dipped in the symbol of being clean, and John baptized as a symbol of repentance in anticipation of the coming Messiah. Well, our scriptural focus for today is the reading from Acts, which is also about baptism. And as Acts tells us, John, uh, Jesus' cousin John was not the only one involved in baptism. Apollos was in on the baptism thing too. Apollos, by the way, was kind of an anti-John. I mean, you all know John was kind of weird. Right? I mean, he had the wild hair, eating locusts, animal skins. For all of his peculiarity, <coughs> Apollos was smooth. He was the debonair one from Alexandria, the center of scholarship and industry and trade. Now, John was a wild country preacher. John might have been called as the bivocational pastor of Bucksnort Baptist. But Apollos would have been senior rector at the Episcopal Church. But both baptizers were carrying on the Jewish tradition of baptism. Folks were lining up to be baptized as a symbol of repentance and anticipation of the coming Messiah. And so, as I said, today the church celebrates the (coughs) baptism of Jesus by his cousin John in the River Jordan. But the Acts passage we read earlier is about 30 years after Jesus' baptism. So somewhere around AD 26, Jesus is baptized by John. Somewhere around 56 AD, Paul is on his third missionary journey in Ephesus This topic of baptism comes up. John is long since dead. Apollos and others continue the baptism tradition. It's been roughly 30 years since Jesus stood with his cousin in the Jordan River. Paul is in Ephesus. Paul runs into some fellow uh, Jesus believers there and asks, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? And they said, Huh? What are you talking about? I'm quoting. They replied, No, we have not even heard there was a Holy Spirit 
Then Paul said, into what then were you baptized? They answered, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, in Jesus. So catch this. For 30 years, these Jesus followers were operating with half an inheritance. There was a huge, unopened Christmas present. Because upon Messiah's arrival, there is a new baptism, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there were followers of Jesus who had no clue. What does it mean to be baptized in the Spirit? Don't get scared. It's okay. We can talk about the Holy Spirit. This is a digression, but um, several years ago when we lived in Brazelton, we lived real close to a little, beautiful, white clabbered Methodist church. It's just around the corner from our house. I was at the seminary at the time, not obligated on Sundays. One of my neighbors, who uh, was a member of that little congregation, knew I was a minister. Their preacher's going to be on vacation. Could you supply preach one Sunday? I'd love to. So I go to preach at this little church around the corner. And in respect for their tradition, I chose a lectionary passage to preach from. And it was on the Holy Spirit. And I preached my heart out, and I went to the door to greet people on the way out. And this tiny elderly woman shook my hand and said, They said in the introduction, you're Baptist. Is that right? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I thought so. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit around here. (laughs) I never got invited back to preach at that little church. Let's risk it. Let's talk about the Spirit. When Jesus was on earth, the unique Son of God was limited by time and space. Jesus could only be in one place at one time. He couldn't be in Samaria talking with a woman at the well and at the same time be in Conyers, right? So Jesus, in his farewell discourse in John's gospel, Jesus promises he will send the Holy Spirit to the disciples after his departure. And he says this, I'm quoting, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. (coughs) The Spirit of truth, he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is the unleashing of Jesus' presence within the life of believers. Jesus is no longer bound by time and space. Jesus can be the comforting presence to a frightened mother in Palestine. At the exact same time, Jesus is confronting me in my nighttime about my own selfishness. The Jesus who took children into his lap, and healed a man uh, possessed of a demon, now in the form of the Holy Spirit, can take a child into his lap in Doraville. At the exact same time, 
he releases a demon in Douglasville. This is part of the reason that you all sometimes hear very different sermons when I preach the same sermon. I'll preach a sermon some Sunday and somebody will come up to me right after the church service and say, that was so comforting to me. And then I'll get a call Monday morning from somebody else who says, thank you for the sermon. It finally gave me the strength I needed to call and apologize to my daughter. Like, how did y'all both, how did? And the reason is that the Spirit is at work within everybody's life in different ways. I've told you my favorite definition of the Holy Spirit before. A, a professor at my seminary said, Jesus gives definition to the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit gives ubiquity to Christ. And I had to go back to my room and look up ubiquity, which means the ability to be at all places at all times. But both sides of this equation are important. Jesus is alive and available within the life of the believer, all places and all times. But Jesus gives definition to the Spirit. When you hear people making outrageous claims about what God is telling them to do, we test that against what we know of Jesus. So in April 2015, Travis Rinkin walked into a Tennessee Waffle House wearing nothing but a green jacket and an AR-15 assault rifle. And two days after he had killed four people, he was found. The authorities who found him questioned him. He said he believed that those people were government agents and that God had instructed him to kill them. Well, God did not. How do we know? Because Jesus gives definition to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Paraclete, Jesus promised his presence would be unleashed into the lives of the believing community. And for 30 years, many, Jewish, many of the Jesus followers had no idea. They were being baptized in the manner of John's baptism for the repentance of sins, the anticipation of the Messiah, but they did not know there was a gift they had not yet opened. Paul said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? They said, no, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Mark Twain famously said, the man who does not read has no advantage over the man who cannot read. The Christian who is unaware of the Holy Spirit's residence in his or her life has no advantage over the unbaptized. Is it possible that some of us might be living like we were baptized by John without an adequate appreciation for what it means to have the Spirit of Christ 
alive in us and available to us. When I was 25 years old, Melissa and I bought our first house. Now, a teacher and minister salaries don't combine for much, so $90,000 for a house was quite a stretch. But we were expecting twins in July, and we wanted to bring them home uh, to our house. So we reached out, we bought this house. It was the first in the neighborhood, and others started moving in. Soon after we bought, a couple moved in next door, and they were peculiar. They were retirement age, brother and sister. They had never lived apart, had never married. I'm not making this up. Catholic family, their names were Joseph and Mary. This is true. Joseph and Mary lived in Long Island, uh, retired. They had another sister in Atlanta. They moved to this neighborhood, sold everything up there, including the one car that they shared. They came to Atlanta. Soon after they settled in, I told you he's peculiar, Joseph called the Pontiac dealership and asked them to bring a Pontiac. They said, uh, you have a particular model in mind? He said, yeah, we'd like a four-door. That's what we had in, in New York. Any other specifications? Uh, yeah, we'd like a silver four-door. That was it. So as you can imagine, when they brought the car to him, it was loaded. I mean, this was one great Pontiac. So after he settled up and the happy salesman left, Joseph calls me order, over to kind of introduce him to his new car that, by the way, is not like his old Pontiac. So I'm sitting in the driver's seat, Joseph's sitting in the passenger seat, we are orienting the car. We started at this door. Yes, Joseph, you only have to push this button and the window will go down. That's right. You don't have to do this. So we're, go we're orienting around and we got to the stereo system. Now keep in mind, I had a 1972 Ford Pinto with an AM radio. And we got to Joseph's stereo system, and it, was, it had all the little levers for the treble and the bass and the balance, and there were speakers everywhere, and I was so pumped. And I cranked it up, and it was, it was shaking the seats. It was just, God, it was so great. And so I got through all of that, and he reached over and punched the on-off button, and he said, so that's the on-off, right? Yeah. So if I never touch that button, I don't have to deal with this at all. Is that right? <laughs> he left that amazing sound system off the entire time he owned his Pontiac. Who does that? Who has access to something that amazing and leaves it shut off? Paul said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? They replied, no. We've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. 
When I baptize someone up here, I ask, what is your profession of faith? And the candidate answers, Jesus is Lord. And I say, upon your profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, my sister, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yes, you have all been baptized in Jesus' baptism. And you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the very presence of Jesus abides in you. Jesus' comfort and counsel. Jesus' conviction and forgiveness. Jesus' power and gentleness lives within you. And through prayer, we have the unbelievable access of communion with the unleashed presence of Jesus through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Is it possible that you're living as as though you do not know the full power of who lives within you? If you're looking for a meaningful New Year's resolution, I would urge you to turn the power switch back on. To give this year to a life of prayer, accessing the very presence of Christ within you. It will unleash so much. In fact, the Apostle Paul told the church meeting in Galatia that if you do this, if you spend time in prayer accessing the Spirit's power, you will soon see that your life will change. Your life will start bearing fruit. He told them the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Isn't that a worthy New Year's resolution? To unleash God's presence within us through the gift of the Spirit that allows our life to be that kind of blessing to others. Thanks be to God. If you have never If you have been living as though you don't know what I'm talking about, about the gift of the Spirit within you and how that Spirit can enliven, awaken, challenge, comfort. If you have never said yes to what it means to follow Christ and be baptized in that Spirit, we invite you to come and profess faith in Him today. And if you have any other prayer, or any other thing you want to share with your church. If you want to join this church today, you can't probably drive all the way from Kentucky, but however you feel God responding, I pray that you will have the courage to say yes as we stand and sing. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.